How we doing tonight, Suns fans? Huh? 25-point victory over the Memphis Grizzlies on the road. The first game of a three-game uh, road trip for your Phoenix Suns. And, you know, they come out and they just they dominate. And I thought this was going to be a really interesting game to see how they stacked up against the Memphis Grizzlies to see kind of, you know, our first look at the Memphis Grizzlies. And Matthew, as I bring you on to the Suns Jam Session podcast, uh, where you clearly have better Wi-Fi than I do. Oh, uh, <laughs> I can do this. Yeah, you can do that. I lag when <laughs> I, I do shake that. my head. Yeah, I don't know what it is about my my I, like I'm good, literally man. I'm literally plugged in to yeah. the the modem and I have like one bar. I just don't get it. I, I love it. it. I love the I technical difficulties, I man. I just—it's it. hilarious and it drives you crazy. And I'm sure the chancers enjoy it too. Oh yeah, I'm sure they like me seeing me <laughs> lagging all over the place. But yeah. uh, you know, again, this was our first look at Memphis. You know, not impressed, huh? No, <laughs> I knew you do that. And when I was writing the recap, and I was like, "This is the worst loss of the season." I was going to mention that, but actually, I went through, and the way they lose games is basically blowouts. So they'll have the blowouts, and they'll come back, cut it close, and be some good teams. But yeah, it was an off night, and you know, Dylan Brooks is out, so maybe that's a factor. Who knows? There's not really a whole lot of names on that team, but no, my MVP, um, John Morant. Did his best, but the Suns are too good. They're a great team. So what are Amen. you going to do? Seven in a row for the Phoenix Suns. Seven in a row. So yeah. uh, without further ado, there's you know still plenty to talk about. You know the Phoenix Suns might have dominated by winning you know 25 points over the Memphis Grizzlies, but we still got stuff to talk about. There's still little things. You know, Nader came out of the yes. doldrums. They let him out of the dungeon underneath the arena and he came out and he actually had a good game he's trying to eat, have me eat crow and i'm not going to but I'll, <laughs> I'll respect that he what he did tonight so we'll talk about that we'll talk about john moran and you know what i want to talk about the charlotte hornets uh city edition jerseys let's do it let's Just do want it to. so uh, without further ado a reminder to everybody who is listening please subscribe rate and review if you're watching on youtube smash that thumbs up button make sure you hit the little bell notification as well which allows you to know when we go live which is after every phoenix suns game you can follow the show on twitter at suns jam that's also where you can submit artwork like matthew has up behind him on his screen uh, that's also where you can, you know, just get all that fun Suns Jam Session content that we put out on Twitter all the time. Uh, you can follow me at Darth Voida. You can follow Matthew at Matthew Lissy. And without further ado, Matthew, what are you drinking tonight? Oh, last one in the fridge. So tomorrow on my shopping list, I got to put in another order of Coors Light. Okay. So this is the last okay. one. What do you got, John? Well, I think I'm going to get a little fancy here got a nice 93 <laughs> oh. point mall back i'm gonna pull out a little wine ski little red yes. wine and sons you know so i'm gonna i'm gonna pour this into the glass i'm you gonna pop, pop this yours. open chug a lug a lug oh yeah look at that a nice glass of red to, to celebrate the suns winning by 25 cheers jamsters let's talk about this win I'm not going to lie. I love a good glass of wine. Who who doesn't love a good glass of wine? Matthew, are you a wine drinker at all? I, I, I am. Ever. Not a connoisseur, but I, I love a glass of wine. I do. 
Well, I remember back in the day when we used to live together, we used to literally drink like red wine and watch the Phoenix Suns and have our own version of a podcast before we had a podcast. Yeah, we were laying there with a glass of wine, just like <laughs> almost spilling on the carpet. And it's because uh, they were so bad. That's back where then. it started. That's where it began. This whole Suns Jam session thing began with wine and Suns. So, yes. So, a little the, bit of history. The, the fruits of, of the grapes labor is you get a podcast out of it. <laughs> Matthew, I got to ask. Yeah, Matthew, I got to ask, you know, when you look at this game, the Suns win by a final score of 119 to 94 over the Grizzlies. Did the Suns kick their ass or are the Grizzlies just not that good as they fall to six and six on the season? Oh, when you shoot over 50 percent from three, that's that's just an ass kicking. I don't think there's anything really the Grizzlies could do in this game. Defense was picked up in the paint by the Suns where anything that was going in there was coming out a sun. It was basically the ball, you know, if John Morant's driving the hoop, of course he's unstoppable. Anything else, though, that was going down there, no chance. Frank Kaminsky, Jay Crowder had some blocks tonight. So they were just, they were giving it to them in the paint. They made sure that's their bread and butter. Let's just, you know, get up on them. Then they wouldn't make anything from three. They struggled from three, Memphis did. So when that's not happening for Memphis and the Suns are shooting lights out, it's an ass kicking. But the Suns are just, you know, uh, they're the tier above or a couple tiers above what Memphis is right now. I love what Memphis has, of course, and they're going to have these nights where they play a really good team like the Suns just get blown out, just get handled. And that's what it was tonight. And it was nice, right? This is the first real blowout Suns win. Yes. I think, right? Yes. The first true one. I mean, because we've had some games that have definitely been close where, you know, like the Kings a couple games ago where the Suns, you, you look at the final score and you're like, okay, I know what this really was. The Phoenix Suns destroyed the Kings. They just had a bad fourth quarter, allowed the team in, made us put the starters back in. So this was the first night where it's like, you know what? We can just kind of sit back, relax, uh, enjoy it. I mean, you're up 30. They almost got up 40. Uh, but as Coach Fallen Founder says, Grizzlies are a solid team and just, you know, they had an off night. Suns took advantage and wrecked them as well. They should have, you know, again, if a team has an off night, you have to put the your, your foot on their throat, if you will. And it's something that the Suns aren't necessarily known for doing. And as you've mentioned before, when it comes to not just the Suns, but just the NBA in general, like not a lot mm -hmm. of teams necessarily do that. You don't see teams blowing out other teams all the time. It's the NBA. It's the three point line. It's, uh, you know, the, the shot clock era. That's, you know, 24 seconds. You get the rebound. It's 14 seconds. I mean, it's promoting constant and consistent scoring. So it really is hard to, to take a, uh, the opposition and truly blow them out on a consistent basis. I remember there was a stretch last season, and, and part of it included uh, a game, I believe it was at Memphis last year, where the Suns made 24 three-pointers, uh, set the franchise record. And there was like three or four games last season where they blew out the competition, and it was such an oddity to see. So you have to absolutely uh, appreciate this kind of win because it is a rare thing. Because every game in the NBA, whether you like it or not, is stressful. And it was nice to see the Phoenix Suns come out and truly just hold them out the entire game. You know, they, they, they started out uh, playing very well. You have, as you mentioned, a very high field goal percentage. Um, you had JaVale coming out rocking the sunglasses, which looked a little weird. What were uh, what were your thoughts on JaVale McGee <laughs> and, and those sunglasses, huh? I mean, a few things. First off, I thought about migraine headaches. So I get migraines, so I'm like, maybe he had a migraine. He wanted the sunglasses, wasn't feeling great, and that would help because the, the lights, it, it would affect your, your mood, the sensitivity of your eyes. So I don't know what happened. Did he have a doctor's note? He came in and had to, had to wear those because 
that was probably the most badass thing I've seen in a while a player do is just wear sunglasses on the court. I remember Dwayne Wade used to have to do it when he had migraines, mm-hmm. but they were kind of, you know, they were more see-through. You can see his eyes. They were just kind of like tinted over. These were just straight sunglasses. And then he went back to the goggles and then no goggles. So whatever he was doing tonight was fun. I don't know if there was something, a bet or something he lost, maybe a card game, who knows, where he had to wear sunglasses and to get two fouls to come out until he comes out of the game. I feel like that's something to do with it. Yeah, it, he almost looked um, – have you ever seen Blade, Wesley Snipes? Yeah. Yeah, yeah he kind of had like this Blade look to him, you know, and we're like, what's going on? He's, he's rocking the sunglasses, and it instantly led to him – I don't know if like because of that he couldn't see because he instantly <laughs> had two fouls and was out of the game. Yeah. And – as DeAndre Ayton once again misses a game, you have to play smarter than that. Thankfully, Frank Kaminsky has been playing out of his mind this season. But at the same time, JaVale McGee's got to play smarter because then he comes in in the second quarter and instantly gets an offensive foul, which led to sticks minutes, uh, which were not very good minutes, were they? So what were your thoughts on kind of JaVale no, no. fouling the way he was? And then what, what did you see from uh, sticks? Well, there's no flow for Sticks. Sticks had the one game where he came in, looked pretty decent, then he didn't play again. So a lot of this is, it's probably just very weird for him. It's a weird situation where Sticks should be getting a little bit more consistent minutes over Nader or whoever else off the bench because I feel like he can improve and give something to this team. When you come in, you're playing against Steven Adams, JJJ. It's a little maybe more intimidating, especially Steven Adams. We have to go up against him like in your first game back after, what, 10 days off or 10 games off. It, it's a lot to ask for him to do anything. I was excited to see him because later in the beginning, of course, Nader, I was just like, okay, maybe this guy should just sit out the rest of the game because he was committing some stupid fouls in the, in the paint and giving up and ones. So I was like, just put in someone else and six came in. I was like, oh, this is it. And then it just was a failure after failure. The shot, the rush shot where he clinked it off the backboard. And, you know, those kind of shots with the way he shot it, EJ said, it's just nerves. And it's totally true. It, it is nerves. Because you're just not used to this on a consistent basis. So I don't expect anything from him, really. I mean, now it's just like, are you going to play him? Are you not going to play him? And then with with Frank playing the way he's playing and McGee playing the way he's playing, even though he's in foul trouble most of the time, it's kind of hard for him to get minutes now. And when Aiden comes back, he probably will never get minutes. But it could be nice, though, if McGee is fouling. This might help Monty in the long run when Aiden comes back, help with the minutes between him and Frank. Because we know they're not going to get 20-plus minutes per game when Aiden comes back. It's going to be maybe 9 or 10. So that might help. If he's going to foul, then it helps Monty, I think. Yeah, a lot to unpack there. It plays Megatron. JaVale just needed the black trench coat, and he'd be right out of the Matrix. Totally. I mean, he just had that look on him tonight. Um, yeah. Yeah, with, with, with Sticks, he's more uh, – he, he'd be more successful if he plays in a backup four position. That's why when I've talked about Nader losing his minutes and allowing Jalen Smith to absorb those minutes, it would be at the four. And you would move Cam Johnson to the three. And I think that that's an opportunity for the Suns to display Jalen Smith to one, give him an opportunity for growth or two, put him, you know, give him a minutes where he can succeed and potentially become a trade asset. When you put him in there in the at the five against Steven Adams, who, although not the most fleet of foot, he is definitely a physical force. That is uh, something that Jalen Smith is not going to have success against. So, you know, you look at the total, minutes that he ended up playing. He played just the five minutes. Uh, he was only a negative two while he was out there, had one rebound, was 0 for 1, but he definitely looked outmatched out there. And, you know, again, that kind of brings us to the uh, um, 
the Nader conversation because Abdul Nader ended with 18 points, four or five from the field, two of two from deep, a total of 10 points coming off the bench, two steals, a block. Uh, so if you look at those stocks, steals plus blocks, three, four rebounds and an assist. Easily his best game in a long, long time. And I get it. He's, he's trying to shut me up. He's, he's like, hey, listen, Nader hater, shut STFU, shut the fuck up. And, you know, Monty knows best. And you know what? Maybe maybe Monty does know best. But again, if it's once every 11 games we're getting a performance like this, I'm still going to keep my seat on the Nader hater city bus. Like it's not even a train. It's not even a Nader hater train. It's still a city bus at this standpoint. But obviously you that's what you want to see. It's not like we're rooting against Abdul Nader to play horrible. No. So Jalen Smith has an opportunity to play. I would rather have this version of Nader most of the time. But to your point, he didn't play this way in the first half. It was the second half where all of a sudden he kind of found his rhythm. So we've had like one good half of Nader thus far this season. Yeah, and it was it was a stretch in the third where the Suns were kind of struggling a little bit. I mean, the lead was like 30, 35. Who knows? It was it was a crazy amount of points. And Nader through the stretch, I mean, kind of carried them when he hit the three and then Shamit too, you saw that too. But what Nader did, did was maybe just a little bit more comfort in the third quarter in the first quarter, and when he came in, you can just see it on his eyes. It's just he's very, very fragile right now with any kind of play he's going to try to make. Uh, like I mentioned before, the play under the basket where he fouled, I think it was JJJ for the end one, but it's just things like that. Let that one go. Don't just grab him. Like, it's a big dude. You have to hold him down, but just let him get the lay-in. You know, don't give him the end one. Don't give this team momentum. So those are just plays that you know Nader's going to do. Like, he's going to mess up. And he's the only player on the team, really, where you question a lot of the stuff he does. Because he looks very, very, not afraid, but he just looks like, these could be my last minutes, even though they're not. Because for some reason, the contract, he's guaranteed at least six minutes a game. So I think the way he looks, though, is just kind of frightened out there to where it might be his last minutes. But it's nice to see him have a decent game. I don't mm -hmm. think it's enough to say, you know, like we still want to see more of them because everyone was feeding tonight. Everybody was. So it was basically everybody. And when that happens, a course Nader better get his. Cause if not, then that's even a tier lower. You're going down in the Nader hater rankings. I feel like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, he plays frantic. I think it's a good way to put it. He plays frantic. He, he, he rushes a lot. And tonight it was a little bit smoother, especially in the second half. And shout out to all the jamsters who are watching along. They're coming up with great things, you know, talking about how it's the the Nader light rail instead of the city bus. Um, <laughs> Sonia, you got Blaze Megatron, the monorail, yeah. the monorail, the monorail. Uh, I still think it's a city bus. Like if he starts to play better, it will graduate to a monorail and then a light rail and then eventually a train. And then you could yeah. be on the Nader Hater train. But I mean, he's got <laughs> he, he has some some growth that absolutely needs to occur. Uh, shout out to one of our elite jamsters. If you want to join and become an elite jamster, simply press, press the join button while watching on YouTube or follow the link in the description. Uh, Code a kid. He says sticks hasn't played, uh, hasn't played at all. Why the fuck would he come out and automatically shoot lights out? Come on now. He probably wasn't even expecting to play tonight. Uh, I completely agree with that. Like I'm not expecting him to go out there and score 10 points in 10 minutes. It's not really not what I'm looking for, but again, the, the challenge with Jalen Smith and Matthew, you know, let me know if you agree or disagree with this. But the challenge that we had with him last season and the challenge that we kind of consistently see with him is he just always looks lost. And once again tonight, he just looked lost. He looked overmatched. He looked overwhelmed. And that's not necessarily something that you want to have see come in uh, because it doesn't build confidence in us as Suns fans, nor does it build confidence in him that he can breed upon. We've talked about how 
in the preseason, in uh, the summer league, how he had these necessary steps that allowed him to build confidence. We want to see him put in, in, in different situations that would allow him to be successful this season, a.k.a. taking Nader's minutes and playing the four that will allow him to breed that confidence and continue to grow so he does start to unlock aspects of his game. Yeah, I don't think he was expecting to play tonight. I don't think he thought JaVale McGee would have three fouls in the first his first two minutes of the game. <laughs> You know, so he wasn't put in a position to play well tonight at all. But again, he just looked completely overwhelmed. He did. It's like a purgatory he's stuck in right now yes. because the last time Poor we saw guy. him, he didn't look lost. He looked like, you know, a guy that actually improved. He looked like he earned some more minutes. We were all fighting for him. And he came back in, and I don't think he even thought he was going to get minutes, like he said. So it just it keeps him up and down, you know. It's like the performance, performance in the bedroom, you know. Could up and down, up and down. Like, can you just keep it up? And basically, he can't if you're just you're tugging him back and forth. You're not showing him the love you need. So Welcome that's to what the I Suns Jam session podcast brought to you by manscaped use code at sun's jam for 20 percent <laughs> off and viagra where we need to develop a partnership there i guess uh but th- thank you for that coda kid you know again it's a good point of view and that's that's the fun thing about doing these podcasts live on youtube is there's discussion that on, not only occurs in the chat but can occur on the the podcast that ends up talking about you know the up and downs and we just want it to stay up apparently so um looking at this game somebody mentioned it earlier and i forgot uh to pull up the comment but uh, Jay Crowder revenge game. You know, you got to remember that Jay yes. Crowder did spend some time in Memphis, had a fantastic game tonight, six for 10 shooting from the field, five from eight from downtown, five rebounds, two blocks, 17 total points, and a plus 31 tonight, man. Tell me what you saw from Jay tonight. And do you think he has that in the back of his mind that, hey, you know, I play for Memphis. Yeah, I want to go in there and, and kick some ass a little bit. Yeah, I know he did. Um <laughs> But I, the shooting was great. Shooting was fantastic from three. Of course, the first two shots went in. He hit a couple big threes down in the second quarter. But on, the best thing about his game tonight were the blocks. Like, I swear this guy is yes. pulling out new things every game. And it's, it's, I think it has to do with the way the refs are refing the game to where it's more physical down there. You see a lot more loose balls down there where the guys are fighting over them. They let them fight over them. It's like, why not? Yes. So, and then that has to do with Jay Crowder. No, not over the top blocks that are like contact on the head like jjj the one where he had where jj was going for an easy lay-in or a dunk and then crowder just comes over the top and just all ball and that's a that's a that's a block and usually last year that would be called that's a, a whistle yeah that's yeah and they're letting them play this is something we've seen every game so i think this is really helping these guys do more and of course this helped frank a lot but Jay Crowder, just his defenses looked even better because of that. Because he's not he's not scared to challenge a guy at the rim or do what he has to do on defense to stop these guys because the rest are going to let him play. And I think that helps him. I think mentally that helps a lot of these guys play better defense. Yeah, I think that's a valid point that, you know, with this new physical NBA, players like Jay Crowder have an opportunity to excel because he's allowed to play a little bit more physical. You know, I mean, I really think that this benefits, you know, him, uh, uh, JaVale McGee, although JaVale McGee got called for three quick fouls and, you know, they weren't necessary. The, the, the refs weren't in the flow of the game, but it is something to keep an eye on. Uh, you know, he's had a rough season to start, has Jay. You know, entering mm-hmm. this game, if you look at kind of his overall statistics, you know, 10 points a game, 40% shooting. You know, he is shooting up to 38% uh, from the field, um, but 
the first I'm, sorry, I'm, I'm looking at the wrong damn season. I'm like, hold on. I'm like, those numbers can't be right. That's I'm like, he's shooting 40% from the field. My bad jamsters. Uh, 8.6 points per game, 30% from deep and 38% from the field. So he's really had a hard time just knocking down the three ball. And tonight was a nice get right game for him. It's nice to see that on the first game of a three game road trip. Cause typically as we know from the history with Jay Crowder, he goes on these stretches where he uh, he'll he'll have four or five games in a row where he just is knocking it down. Mm-hmm. And we don't count on him to do it every night, right? A lot of these guys you don't, but everyone's going to step up. I mean, even you look at Nader tonight, stepped up in a big yeah. at a big time for the well, Sun. So that's why you don't have to count on it every night. Well, maybe Coda Kid's on to something here. You know, he dropped $5 in the Super Chat. We appreciate that. Thank we you. thank you. We're going to get Cam, uh, Matthew that Cam Johnson jersey or maybe me some upgraded Wi-Fi eventually. Uh, but he says we need to start the game at 6 if we're going to get this kind of performance. This game is being was played in Central Time, so it was an hour early. I love the 6 o'clock games. It's when yeah. the, you know, because of everything awesome. that's kind of going on, it's those 8 o'clock games that are going to suck. I think we have two against Dallas coming up soon that are both like 8 o'clock starts. Uh, but, yeah, they play better when it's a little bit earlier. Uh, it was really fun to see how the team overall and, you know, switching gears here a little bit. It's it's great to see how they truly have that 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 ability to consistently uh, win in Memphis and playing in the central time zone just kicks some ass. Yeah, it doesn't affect them. I think they kind of learned their lesson early in the year. I mean, I don't think we're ever a team to complain about back-to-backs or anything like that because this is going to be three games and four nights for the Suns coming up starting tonight. So I don't think they complain about it. And what helps is blowing a team like this out right away. That way you don't have to like mentally kill yourself over, you know, are we going to play too many minutes? Am I going to be tired? So this helps game one of the of the three out of four. Yeah, big time, big time. Uh, you have CP3. Another fantastic game from the point guard. 15 yeah. points, 12 assists, uh, 6 for 12 shooting, had uh, five steals as well. Five steals from Chris Paul. I mean, unbelievably active hands early in the game. He was the tone setter in this game. You know, you look at this, the final score, and the team wins by 25 points. Uh, the second half, they played a lot more sloppy, if you will. But in order to get out to that big lead, to go up 36 to 23 in the first quarter, it was CP3 who was really kind of setting the pace with his, with his activity on both offense and defense with scoring. I mean, he had one point, you know, he like I said, he ended with 15 points. I think 12 of those came in the first half. Like he was setting the tone early, really getting his team out in front. And then, and then as the game progressed, he starts setting them up and they're knocking them down for him. So he ends with those 12 assists and remains the leader in the NBA in assists. Just, oh. I love mm-hmm. it. Those steals too, number three and four, were in the fourth quarter when they're still up by so much, but he still wants to bring the energy, make sure that you can just shut them out because, you know, last five minutes, this is a different kind of game. The last five minutes, he just knew it was over. But because of the effort he kept putting out there to where he's like, we can, let me get these steals. Let me make sure our defense is still up to par. And then I can go rest after I foul this guy and get out of the game with five minutes left in the game. Yeah, and you know, I know it's way too early in the season. Obviously, the Suns are now what eight and three, so eleven games into the season, second team in the Western Conference. I mean, he's once again making a case like he will be an All Star. Right? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. He will. I was thinking I'm going to write like a little. Is it too early for Booker talk for All Star? Because we have to start talking about it a little bit, no, even though it's I mean, yeah, far off. But yeah, we're, yeah, we're eleven mean, games into the season. We talked about it pretty yeah. extensively on the last podcast. Mm-hmm. How Devin Booker might not put up the numbers to be worthy of an All Star selection, but Devin, or I'm sorry, Chris Paul, like he is. Mm-hmm. 
No, he is, and it's fixed and it's rigged, so he's going to. I mean, he's going to have the same stats, leading the league in assists. The Suns are going to be a top three team. We're going to get him and maybe Booker in. So I think both of them are going to be automatic lock-ins, but who knows? I think Chris Paul for sure is, though. And uh, Jay Schneck says in the chat, he says he was the player of the game. It's the wine. Memphis cut the lead to eight in the second quarter, and then he scored like eight straight. Yeah, I mean, that's the stretch I'm talking about right there. It's just like when you need that veteran leadership to just come in and shut him down, that's exactly what he did again tonight. And kudos to Devin Booker, too. Not a crazy game for him. 17 points on 17 shots. uh, Seven of 17 from the field. One for five from deep. Uh, seven assists, though, five rebounds. He was much more of a playmaker tonight. He was testing Jaw kind of early, seeing if he could back him down. He mm-hmm. could, uh, but Jaw was definitely very active on defense. So he relied on the the guys around him. And when the Memphis Grizzlies brought those double teams and tried to front him, he was finding the right guys and getting those assists. There was a play where Frank Kaminsky was open under the basket, and he didn't he couldn't get it to him right away. So he kind of he he waited. He let the defense kind of come to him, and then he took advantage of it. So. You know, again, as we talk about the all-star game way too early, and we talked about it on the last podcast, you're going to have games mm-hmm. like tonight, 17-7. and seven. But you know what? The team wins by 25, and I think that that's what's the most important thing. Devin Booker knows that that's the most important thing. So he's not out there trying to drop 32 every night. He's out there trying to get Ws, man. Yeah, and the more he tries, if I was thinking early, I was thinking early where he was trying maybe to put up the points, the, the, the assists, the stats, all of that to kind of already give him the nod for the All-Star game. I know it's super early, but if he's not trying so hard, it'll come to him because that's the way a superstar is, right? A superstar will just go out there and play their game. The stats will be there and then just get your team the wins and then I will, that will clinch it for you. Yeah, big time. And you know that's what happens. You know, With success comes the, the hardware, if you will. Uh, mm-hmm. There's an interesting statistic that they had on the feed tonight where it said, that Chris Paul is the first player since Magic Johnson in 1989-90 to post at least 140 points, 100 assists, 20 steals, and five block shots in the first 10 games of an NBA season. Yeah, I saw that. Jesus, man. I mean, this guy is just, you know, he's entering, what, his 17th season in the league? 17th season. And, you know, I was thinking about this tonight. So you look at like LeBron James, right? And he's in what his 18th year, I believe, 18th or yeah, 19th. I mean, like which that. is just ridiculous. Um, and you look at how Chris Paul plays the game of basketball and how this team is set up to allow him to be successful in this in this 17th year of his career. Mm-hmm. How they're not an overly fast-paced team how they're a a defensive minded team that just early on wasn't playing really good defense in the first four out of the five, first four out of yeah, five games. Uh, They've kind of locked in since then and how he can continue to play at this high level because of the assets that are put around him. And then you kind of look at LeBron and, and it's not really working out now. Obviously LeBron James is hurt. um, But the way that LeBron plays because he's not as small as Chris Paul, he's a much more physical, more, much more explosive player. He's somebody who has to pick and choose when he can be explosive, obviously now due to his advanced age. But I don't know if he's going to necessarily continue to be as successful uh, relative to his previous success because he's not in a situation that allows him to be successful, right? You're talking about LeBron not being correct, successful? Correct. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I I agree. Um, of course, it always comes down to the one thing where if, if him and Anthony Davis are on the floor healthy, then... Forget about it because that's oh, yeah. still going to be great. But the way Paul handles himself, 
And the way he leads his team is something I don't think LeBron does. And I think we hear sometimes, you know, LeBron's a great leader. That's fine. But we don't see it. We don't see it at all. And that's fine. We don't have to see it all. It's probably all behind the scenes. But we see Chris Paul and the way he leads his team on the court and the way he will just go endless in games and not give up and just make sure that his team is still engaged throughout the game. He wants to win every minute of the game. And you can just tell that he keeps his head down. He just makes sure that he shows up every night. He's not going to take a night off because he hates it. He hates the back-to-back nights off. So that's a leader the Suns have. And what LeBron brings the Lakers, that's fine. He can do what he wants. But you know, it's just so confusing with him of what you're going to get from him and the rest of the Lakers team. So the Suns keep it consistent. And that's something that Paul brings. It's just a consistency. And then hopefully it ends with a championship for God. Like about yes. damn time. Just give this guy a championship because he's earned it. Well, and he's such a great leader, as you mentioned. And I think that that's the primary difference is not only, I mean, because LeBron's a leader, but they are different types of leaders. You know, I think we've all had managers in our time in whatever careers we're in or teachers that we've had in our time where Mm -hmm. there's certain people that just inspire you to be better in whether it be a subject or whether it be at work, people that you will go through fire to try to impress or or you want their approval. Mm -hmm. And there's other people who are just, you know, they're, they're, uh, they're yellers, you know, they're the people who they don't inspire. They, 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 you fear. And I always felt like LeBron gave off that vibe and I've said it before. And again, I think that, that he's not a great leader. You know, Jordan was the same way. Jordan was a, I'm going to yell at you and I'm going to degrade you and I'm going to put, you know, and that's not a great skill of leadership, but he was so damn good during his prime, uh, that it didn't matter, you know, but you look at, the way that Chris Paul leads this team and it consistently is why, you know, again, we're at the top of the standings, the second seed in the Western conference, uh, truly just due to leadership. Yeah. And you're talking about the yelling. A lot of that's the insecurity of LeBron coming out, yelling at his teammates to make sure that he thinks that he has them in line. And Chris Paul doesn't need that. I mean, he yells at DA and I, we're getting a lot of, I miss DA in the chat right now, which is true. I mean, we all miss him, And I think he, Chris Paul misses yelling at him on the court. <laughs> yeah, it's the one guy. But I mean, it's the one he, guy. Yeah, he lo- he looks at you, uh, and it's different. You know, he he doesn't have to say anything. He just yells at you, or he he yells at you with his eyes. That's mm-hmm. the way that exactly Chris Paul kind of operates. Um, you covered this game for BrightSideOfTheSun.com. Mm-hmm. Um, before I ask you this next question, I just want to give Dave King and the team at BrightSide a big shout out. Uh, BrightSide Night is going to be occurring this year. And essentially what you can do is you can send a first responder to a Phoenix Suns game for $11. Uh, Brightside night is something now, obviously our feed isn't on bright side of this, uh, the bright side podcast network anymore, but we still work really closely with bright side of the sun and Dave King. And one thing that you can do, you know, it, they've done it in the past with bright side night is they've sent, they've sent kids to uh, a Phoenix Suns game. So the game against the Rockets on February 16th, um, you can actually donate by going to suns.com backslash bright side, and you can uh, donate $11, and it's going to send a first responder, somebody who's been on the front lines during the pandemic, to a Phoenix Suns game. And there's different levels of that as well. I mean, if you do $110, that's $10 donated, plus you're going to get your own pair of upper-level tickets for yourself. If you do a $275 donation, that's 25 tickets, plus you get lower-level seats for yourself. If you do 550 that's 50 tickets donated to the first some first responders, and you get uh, two pairs of lower-level tickets. 
Um, so I'm just, I just wanted to throw that out there. If you're, if you're interested, go to brightsideofthesun.com. There is a link there that Dave has set up, and I think it's something that's absolutely fantastic. Uh, it's a great way to reward yeah. some of the, the people who have been really putting in the hours for a long, long time, who were appreciated at the front end of this pandemic and now are kind of being not appreciated, if you will. Uh, so I just want to throw that out there. But seeing as you did cover the game for brightsideofthesun.com tonight, uh, what were some of the observations that you wrote in the article? Um. Mainly just the ass kicking, but it, <laughs> there there were a couple things that I noticed where, um, well, I think this is just something I I feel like maybe I noticed this early on in the year, but like I feel like Nader and um, Shaman are kind of the same player right now, okay, and um, they're making different money, of course. Um, one's making more than the other. One just got a contract, but I feel like when one goes, the other one kind of goes, and I kind of think they feed off of each other. I think that. Landry Shamit is kind of just frantic in a way too. He got a couple threes to go down to late in the game to help the Suns kind of pull away even more. But I think those two are the ones that we watch the most. And I think they can feel the eyes on them when they play because they they, they play like it. They play like they can't mess up. And I think Shamit's part of that for, for real. And the other thing was... Uh, <laughs> The other thing was basically, I wrote a little bit about Ja Moran, how awesome he was. But yeah, you love you some Ja. I, I do. I, I really do. And I think this guy is just, he, he, uh, they said like there's a comparison. Was it James Jones said the comparison between him and Allen Iverson? Or was that Coach Monty Williams said that? Sorry. Oh, wow. So there's a comparison of that. And I'm just like, I don't know. This guy can just do whatever he wants. And of course, I think he needs uh, another teammate. And the, the, the pregame, um, chat that, was leading to this game was basically like, is there going to be someone at the trade deadline? I think this Grizzlies team can maybe get someone for jaw to help them get over the hump. Cause they're in this stage where it's like, there may be a 500 team, but I think they can be better to just get one more piece. So I don't know. I, I like to talk about jaw a lot because I love this Memphis team. We hate Dylan Brooks, but still, I think he's doing a great job with that team right now. Well, uh, let, let me start with the Landry Shamit observation. I think that's a good one. You know, again, I use the word frantic for the way that you could describe how Abdul Nader plays. I think the same could be said for Landry Shamit. It's herky, it's jerky, it's frantic. It could be rushed at times. Uh, two for nine from the field tonight, eight total points. As you mentioned, a couple of those uh, came late. And he's somebody who is just trying to feel his way into this lineup. And we're going to see those games where he pops. You know, he, he had mm -hmm. 19 points a couple games ago. And then, you know, we're going to see some of the there's just going to be inconsistency. And that's understandable because that's why he's a backup guy. If he was consistent and hitting those shots all the time, like he would be starting somewhere because he's a he's a flamethrower of a score. But I do think you're right. I think that these are guys who know that their eyes are upon them. They know that they're playing for a team that is competing and they're they're pieces that want to play well because, you know, they could you could lose your minutes in this on this team. If you're not playing well now, granted, I don't know who's necessarily going to take Landry Shamit's minutes. You know, I could say like I've, I've done the whole uh, Pepe Silvia for for Abdul Nader and Jalen Smith. Mm -hmm. uh, but I don't see Alfred Payton ever coming in and spelling Landry Shamit. But still, like it's going to take him some some time to uh, to really just kind of gel with the team. But it's starting to happen. Uh, as for John Morant, as for the Grizzlies, I, I, I definitely want to spend a little bit of time talking about this team. Uh, WD40 says in the chat, dude ain't no AI. Come on now. Um, 
Hey dot zero says John Morant's handle is better than Iverson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah. rim finishing, it's a tie between both. I mean, there's a some that's an interesting comparison. I'm a massive Allen Iverson fan. I loved Allen Iverson. I still wear AI shoes all the time to this day. Uh, he ain't no AI. I'll tell you that. He's a different kind of player. He's more of a mm-hmm. Russell Westbrook. He's an explosive player. He's a forceful player. Uh, I think that Allen Iverson did have better handles. I mean, he would cross people over and break their ankles on the regular. That's how Allen Iverson created space was he just had one of the best crossovers this game has ever seen. So I don't know if that's a fair comparison, but I will say that John Morant is a unbelievably special player. And I definitely think he'll be, he, he will get an all-star selection this year based on his statistics alone, based on the way that the NBA markets their players and you want to put somebody like that in an all-star game. Cause I mean, did you see the one play where there's like a fast break foul and he just threw it up off the backboard and just threw it home tonight? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, just yeah. explosive, special, amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they talk about the player next to him, you know, that's supposed to be in theory, Jaron Jackson jr. Right. Like Dylan Brooks, he's only played one game this season. Mm-hmm. He's been injured. Uh, he played his one game his this last game. They know that they have a back-to-back, so they play again tomorrow. So we didn't see Dylan Brooks. Lord knows that makes me happy because he's probably a top five players that just annoyed the shit out of me. <laughs> but Jaron Jackson Jr., he's an interesting player. He is somebody who I, I was trying to think of who a good comp for him is um, when it comes to just how this player is perceived and how people want him to be great. Uh I still don't see it with him. I look at the statistics and I see that he's averaging 14.1 points per game this season. He's shooting 36% from deep on six and a half attempts and uh, 38% overall from the field. So, you know, 12 and a half, 12 and a half field goals a game. He's hitting about five of them. He's going about two and a half for six and a half from three. Uh, you look at his rebounding numbers, like six a game. You know, so the the reason that they had Valanciunas and traded for Steven Adams, which is still one of the dumbest moves. I, I don't understand that move. But they want him to play the four, and they think that he could be this elite four guy. And I think the best – here's the best comp I have for Jaron Jackson, and tell me if I'm just, just way off base with this. He reminds me of Tua uh, Tagovailoa. Ta- Tag- Tua Tagovailoa? Oh, really? I always – Why is that? Last name. The football so, player, right? Yeah, Tago Vailoa. Yes. And yeah. here's why. Because Tua Tagovailoa, Tag Tag Vailoa. Tua T, yeah. Tua T. Tua. Um, I like wrote it down. I'm like, I'm not gonna fuck up his name on this podcast because so <laughs> I always fuck it up. It's like Antetokounmpo. Like it took me years to say it right. Um because he has all the, the, the deliverables and the pedigree, right? Like Tua came from Alabama, looked amazing in Alabama. He's a he's a great sized quarterback. He has all this pedigree coming from Alabama as to why he should be great, right? But he just can't put it together. He can't stay healthy. He can't stay on the field, and he just—he's not consistent, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, looked good in the Thursday night game, which I or which was last night, which I watched on the plane ride home from uh, Boston to Houston to Phoenix. Um, but he just like and 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 again, he's not—he's he, young. He's still got plenty of growing to do, and he's only in his second year. But you look at Triple J. And I feel like everybody's wanted him to be so great. And he's been at the top of every list of, you know, great guys under under 25. And if I could do a re-graph, I, redraft of the 2018 draft class, I would take him over yada, yada, yada. And I still just don't see it. Am I crazy, Matthew, for thinking that he's somebody who 
everybody's really hyped and wants to do well because of his pedigree, you know, coming from Michigan state playing in the final four, uh, along with miles bridges, which is on who was on that uh, Michigan state team and had all these deliverables and has everything there that you think should translate to the league that they're playing in, but he's just not doing it. Like, am I wrong or what do you think? No, you're not. No, you're, you're fine. I, I think this is tough because of the games he's played. Like he's only played like a little over a hundred games, right? Like 120 games or something like that. DA, I think is, I mean, he's like 160, 170, but still, I mean, DA is the number one pick. So of course he's, he's been more consistent within the offense trying to find himself. So if these big guys take a while, but JJJ, I don't know who to compare him to. I just know he needs more reps, but tonight it just looks like he took a step back to where people thought he might be by now, which he was, of course, the fourth pick of the draft. But he was a guy that thought maybe he was better than Aiton. And I'm not, of course, seeing it. I think it's there. But the body language doesn't look good. He looks kind of annoyed. I don't know if he's still kind of hurt or whatever, but there's something about him when he's playing his game. He can't get it going. And he shoots a lot more threes than he would want him to, probably two for six tonight. But that's his that's his bread and butter, is like the three-pointer and a down the block doing his thing. But... When you don't have it consistently and you're not you're barely playing 100 games in the league and you're a big guy like that and he's 22 right now, those are all things you have to worry about and think of. But give him another year, give him this year, give this team a year because there's going to be a moment I know in this year where Memphis is going to be the talk again to where John Morant, they were like on a 10-game win streak. JJJ is getting it down. He's shooting 50% from three or something crazy like that. It's going to happen. And I think it's just they need to take – their playing in the West is so tough. Yeah. It, you're, every night it's going to be a struggle for these guys especially with the bigs coming back the bigs are a thing now so now jjj has that competition every night and if he's playing the four that's fine but he still needs the help on in the block and that's just one thing he hasn't really done well tonight his stature under the block isn't that great under the basket isn't that great he he holds himself to where he is not standing up straight his shoulders are kind of hunched and stuff like that so there's a lot of that going on as soon as he can find his own strength and keep his feet underneath him offensively, then he'll probably be someone that's almost kind of unstoppable. But I don't think he'll get to the to the to the peak to where Aiden can reach. I don't think ever. Yeah, I think it's a valid point because it's a lot of the conversations we had last year when it came to DeAndre Aiden was, "Hey, this guy's only played 100 games, 120 games. Like, yeah. you know, it's young in his career. Big men do take longer to develop." Uh, it's interesting seeing what some of the Jamsters have him as a comp. You have uh, Zero says JJJ plays like LaMarcus Aldridge. Um, I could definitely see that. Young LaMarcus Aldridge, though, was much more of a mid-range player, didn't shoot the three a bunch. Uh, Code JJM, again, Jermaine O'Neal, same exact thing. Those Both those guys are very similar. Uh, yeah. JJJ is tra- Channing Fry with defense. That I think Channing Fry is more of a comp for him because he likes to shoot the three more. Obviously, the back end of Channing Fry's career, that's all he did. Um, but I just, again, when it comes to him, okay. And look at this game. Okay. Great example. 19 points. That's a, that's a solid, you look at that 19 points, seven for 18 from the field as a power forward. I don't know if 18 attempts and getting 19 points is necessarily the best, you know, it's not a stalwart of productivity two for six from three. I don't like his three point shot at all. It's a slow-mo push shot, which allows defenses to, uh, cover it or at least prepare for the brick and get the rebound down low. So it's yeah, a one and done on a position. Yeah. Why might as well mm-hmm. four rebounds, you know? And again, that's the thing with him that I just, I think he plays a little bit too far away. And again, the whole reason I'm having this conversation is because, you know, you talk about John Moran, how he's going to need that, that secondary player and everybody wants it to be JJJ. Everybody thinks it is. 
And I, again, I just, I don't see it. I just don't see, I like the kid. I always have, I've always been a big supporter of his, but I'm not supporter of his hype the same way I am with Tua. I think that Tua is a solid, he's going to be a journeyman quarterback. He's nothing, he's not going to be anything special. I thought last year that Justin Herbert was way better. And I was, I've so far, I've been right with that. You know, he's struggled a little bit mid season, but I still think that he's a better overall quarterback. Uh, whereas Tua, I just, I don't see it. And I just don't see it with JJJ. Again, solid player, uh, but he's not going to come anywhere near Aiton as far as productivity. Uh, because he's going to be chucking those threes up all the time. So just just an observation that I kind of had, and I wanted to kind of see what your your thoughts on that were. Uh, campaign. Campaign, you know, they kept talking. His grandfather was sitting in the front row with his parents. It was fantastic. You know, uh, Memphis's own coming home. You know, end of the night, four for 13, 10 points, two assists, two rebounds. He had a block as well. He had a steal as well. I mean, this team overall, we had six blocks tonight. Uh, campaign, you know, again, I still think he's in that rush it mode because he missed like three layups in a row, man. And I don't ever remember, <laughs> yeah. like I, I've comped him to Leandro Barbosa in the, in the past, just with his explosiveness mm-hmm. and his quickness to get to the rim. I don't ever remember Leandro Barbosa missing three layups in a row like that. Do you? No, it was a little bit rush. I mean, a little bit of a ball hog tonight, a little bit, but just, just yeah, he's bit, at home. Bit. I get it. But like, <laughs> I know, but I think everyone was kind of getting theirs. So I think anybody that was kind of selfish, in the game and it was okay. It was maybe Cameron Payne because of him being home and he felt it early, right? Two straight threes off the bench. Yes. So I was like, like here, we right, here we go. Here, yeah, here we go. Here we go. But that other guy stepped up, so he didn't really need to, but yeah, he shot, what was he? Four for 13. So that's kind of something I don't think you'll ever see again. I don't think you'll ever see that again. And like you said, those missed layups or something it might be nerves. It might be a little oh, bit without a doubt, with, without a when they're doubt. watching him and he has to put on a show, but then everyone else is getting theirs. So I think the shots, the amount of shots will probably never happen again like that, unless he, he he's shooting efficiently and he usually does. So you don't have to worry about that, but it's okay to have this kind of night right from him when everyone else steps up because you're thinking you're like, if campaign continues to do this, then Oh, Alfred Payton, no, that's not <laughs> no, going to be stop, a thing. Cause you don't even have to worry about that with this guy. He can have an off night and you're not even going to worry about it. And it's not even that much of an off night because I didn't notice the, the four for 13 as much until after you look at the box score, it wasn't yeah. as noticeable because they were missed layups, some difficult shots. So I'm not too worried about it. And no one should be right. Well, and they were blowing them out. So it was like, it wasn't yeah, like so we needed matter. those. It wasn't close game with where those possessions were overly valued. So mm-hmm. no, I get it. But uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention this guy. <laughs> Frank the Tank, you know, again, he was put in a compromising situation again tonight because JaVale McGee, as we mentioned at the top of the show, was in foul trouble immediately. Uh, eight points, six rebounds, one assist, one steal, two blocks. I mean, 27 minutes play, four for seven from the field. You know, Kaminsky, again, just continues to contribute, man. And it's just, you know, they were talking about a little bit earlier, you know, the Jamsters, where it's like, does anybody miss DA? And I know that Coach JJM kind of put it out there just saying, hey, like, do we miss him with the performances that we're getting from JaVale McGee and Frank Kaminsky? And, you know, right away, the, the instant answer is no, because we're, we're, we're winning without him. I mean, we're on a, what, seven-game win streak, six-game? How many? Seven now? Seven in a row seven, for the Phoenix yeah, Suns? Seven in you know? a row. Yep. And, and DA's been out for the, a big chunk of this. Uh, so kudos again to Frank the Tank for not putting up 31 points tonight, but giving you those 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 quality minutes and having the capacity to play with the, the starters and the second team, because that's what he had to do tonight. He had to play with the starters for the beginning of the game. Then he's playing with the second. I mean, he just, he's malleable. Yeah. He he is 
He's like water. He uh quality that's perfect because it, it was just quality. You don't actually have to put up 30 point games again, and we knew it wouldn't happen. And even like a 20 point game, if, if he were to do that back to back to back, then yes, we wouldn't care about DeAndre Aiden at this point. I still miss DA, still need him back because you're not going to get the kind of performance that DA can put up, of course, at his and his best game. But 31 points was 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 awesome to watch from Frank and it was well earned. I think he's still earning his minutes defensively tonight was the main focus. Big time. The blocks, the way he will just stand under the basket and not budge at all against anybody, even Steven Adams. It doesn't matter. This guy cannot be pushed under there and he knows that and there's so many great plays that he that he can come through in in a defensive way to where he just ruins it for the rest of the team. When John Morant was just even driving endlessly against JaVale McGee and then Frank comes in, it makes a difference. And it's even like team defense down there that helps Frank too. But him standing his ground is the best thing tonight. And it's four for seven, so it's still efficient shooting. He's not doing anything too crazy. What you see is the Suns giving him the ball, the ball early in the game again on mismatches. And then the team, I mean the Memphis Grizzlies, they had to double team him already early in the game. That was happening last game. Isn't that crazy? The end of the game. It is crazy because they know that he can find the mismatch. He's doing his job very, very well to where Chris Paul points out before the game, get in this certain situation on the mismatch, find this guy, and he does it. And then he has to pass out of it. He's a pretty decent passer. That's the next thing, too, is Frank just the passing. As soon as a double team comes for Frank, he has he has to pass out of the shark infested waters. So he's <laughs> he's doing a great job, man. I don't. This is it's it's awesome because I knew if it was the over under for probably ten and a half points tonight for Frank, I would have yeah. took the under just because this is what happens when the focus is more on Frank in this game, and then the teams have to kind of you know prepare for him in a way. So you're not going to get the best performance stats wise, but efficiency and all that across the board. It was it was great again. Yeah, another solid performance. And again, when you have players like Frank scoring eight points against six boards off the off the bench, combined yeah. with what the rest of the bench did tonight, you know, you're gonna get a victory. Is there anybody we've missed that you want to talk about before we go to the jam star, Matthew? Mm, I mean, we could talk about Mikhail, but he's just darn right fabulous. Every I know. Night, isn't so. isn't yeah. he fantastic? Well, we I'll just skip I'll, him tonight, huh? I'll just say this: you know, seventeen points from Crowder, thirteen points from Bridges, fifteen points from Paul, seventeen points from Booker, ten points from Nader, twelve points from your boy Cam Johnson. We didn't even bring him up. His three point strokes looking fantastic, and ten points from Campaign. And the other guys who contributed, you know, nine from McGee, eight from Kaminsky, and and eight from Shamit. They're all just shy of being in double digits. I mean, it was a complete and utter, it was an ass kicking, but it was a team ass kicking. And that's the best kind there is. It wasn't one of those Devin Booker's carrying us with 45 points, which I mean, I'll take an ass kicking every, any way that I can relative to basketball, not in real life. Like I'll take any fucking ass kicking. Bring <laughs> yeah. it on, you sons of bitches. Like, I, you know, but at the same time, uh, this is what you want to see from your team. This is a team effort. And this is what we got used to when we watched the Phoenix Suns last season was just team basketball and it's it equates to success, you know, eight and three, second in the Western Conference, man. Heck yeah. Jam star of the game. All right, Jamsters, if you're watching along live, let us know who your jam star of the game is in the chat. If you are listening, say it out loud, wherever you're at. Just be like, Jay Crowder. And, you know, if you're at the office and you, if you're on an airplane right now and you're listening to this podcast, be like, Mikhail Bridges. Just go for it. Just do it. So, uh, Matthew, who are you dropping the jam star of the game to? Oh, you know, I don't even know. I, I'm going to have to choose Chris Paul, I think, just because...
from the beginning to end, he noticed him the most, and everything he did was um, pretty much perfect tonight. I mean, the the pass that he he led Abdel Nader for the breakaway dunk. Abdel Nader was in the right place at the right time, where he split like five defenders for that pass. That's when you know it was a match of night beautiful. for Chris Paul. It's just it, it's a it's a game that's a blowout, but he's still showing up. He's still doing the crossover thing, trying to take over. His shots not officially there yet there's some that he's missing that he knows that should be going in that are rolling in and out but tonight it was just it was a good game by him man i think he carried the team and he does it every night he'll get the 30 assists every night and we're just like oh you know typical chris paul he's our <laughs> yep. favorite point guard of all time so yeah i think that although jay crowder is definitely getting a lot of love in the chat as well he should whenever jay crowder is giving you 17 points and shooting five frame eight from deep you have to appreciate that because mm -hmm. we've definitely seen the other side of that. Uh, but I'm going to give it to Chris Paul as well. I mean, the way that he started the season, combined with how he performed tonight, uh, as it was mentioned earlier, when the team was struggling for a little bit, when they were allowing the Memphis Grizz Grizzlies to have a little bit of hope, it was Chris Paul who came out and started hitting that mid-range shot, who started getting pesky, who started getting physical, who started bugging DeAnthony Melton and you know, <laughs> yes. putting him in. You know, it's just that that's the beauty of having a Chris Paul, and it must be appreciated. Yeah. After everything we've been through over the last 10 years, appreciate nights like tonight because Chris Paul was the difference between an ass kicking and a close game on the road in Memphis tonight. It just it's as simple as that, in my personal and humble opinion. So mm -hmm. uh, you know, coming up next, the Suns are gonna be traveling. It's uh what Sunday they're playing the Sunday Houston five, Rockets, yeah. Sunday at five, mm -hmm. Houston Rockets. Looking forward to that game. Houston obviously is one of those teams that's just really having a a hard time of it. They're currently one in ten, and I think they lost again tonight. If I'm not mistaken, yeah, I had the one. In, they're one in eleven now. Yeah, I literally I put together like a, an eleven team parlay tonight, betting on just mm -hmm. the the money line on every game tonight. And so far, I've got everyone right, but the fucking OKC beat Sacramento at home oh, two points. <laughs> Never bet won, against OKC. Won, bet five bucks. I could, I could have won like nine. Yeah, don't bet against bucks. that team. That team is but, so random and they might win like 30 games this year. And it's tough. I mean, you're trying to feed, but yeah, the, the Rockets lost 104 to 92. So they're now one uh -huh. in 11. So this is one we just, we, we put it as a win and we don't even talk anymore about it, right? Yeah, just put it as a win. And uh, if it's not a blowout win, just get the win. Try to get just, some more rest. But the rest thing is kind of weird. I think that Monty leaves these guys in a, maybe a little bit too long, especially Chris Paul. But um, we'll see. I don't I don't know. It's just a win, John. That's all it is. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how deep we need to go into this. Obviously, after this game, they play the Minnesota. We just played Timber, them, too. Timber. Just what played them and played well ago? against them. Yeah, and we played yeah. well against them. You know, it was one of the first really easy to, to, uh, to enjoy basketball games because you never feel like the Suns were going to give it up necessarily. So we'll put this in as a win. I think I forgot to put in the Memphis thing. I don't know why we're tracking it. Sorry, fan in the flames. I'm sure you guys are tracking yours too. I haven't been looking. <laughs> I've been doing so goddamn much. I forget, yes. You know, but uh, uh, so one thing I did want to bring up thoughts. Um, brains. So this doesn't have to do with the Phoenix Suns, but I thought I'd bring it up anyways. I was watching a little bit. You know, the beauty of a game like tonight is when there's a, you know, it's a blowout, right? There's kicking mm -hmm. the shit out of them. You can channel surf a little bit, right? Well, I can because I have like, I'm still, I haven't cut the cord. I still have direct TV. Like, it's really hard to do that on streaming services because, you know, you're like, I don't know if I'm going to get out, the stream back. back you in. Know, yeah, back out, it takes back 20 in. minutes. Yep. Yeah, exactly. But the advantage of that tonight is there's a ton of basketball on tonight. As I mentioned, 11 different games. And the end of the Knicks and the Charlotte Hornets game was just a very good watch. 
And the Charlotte Hornets were rocking tonight their City Edition jerseys. Now, obviously, everybody outside of like the Suns and the Jazz have new City Edition jerseys that are supposed to pay homage to their franchise. Uh, this is what the Charlotte Hornets were rocking. And if you are listening and not watching, obviously, you're missing out. Um, but some of the different things that they have is they have the Charlotte script word mark on them that are inspired by inspired by the pennants displayed during the original Hardlet, uh, Charlotte Hornets uniform unveiling in 1988. Uh, the uniform number is the same kind of uniform number font. Uh, they have the player name on the back, like everybody does, whatever. Uh, multicolored print stripes come from the original Hornets uniforms worn in, worn in 1988 to 1997. So they have those kind of thick pinstripes. When you think of Grandmama and you think of Zoe, you know, it's those thick pinstripes. Uh, they have the uh, vertically grade graduated cell pattern. So they have like honeycombs on them and stuff. I don't know. It's hard to explain, but they go from like dark blue to light blue in the middle and then back to dark blue. They got honeycombs on them. Uh, I just thought they were fucking yeah. sick looking, dude. Like it, there's a lot yes. going on there and they yes. shouldn't look right. They really shouldn't. And I just loved them. Any no, no, they should not look right, but they do. And I love like there's always so much. They brought back the old court too, where it has like the honeybee, the honeycomb in the middle. And it, it's a lot to maybe even think about, but they pull it off. They look great. And it's one of the the most fun teams to watch. It started last yes. year. Now this year they're building upon what they started last year. Like it's continuing to roll. And I I, I appreciate everything they do because I think they always look great. I love their quarter, their colors. The horny hornets are just they always have it together and i, I appreciate it dude because they can mess that up easily and they oh, are yeah. so close to maybe doing it but it looks perfect and they play great they're one of the best teams to watch out there league pass team right if we had Abs if I had absolutely pass. well again this was on like nba tv they were showing the end of the game because they're doing their like mm -hmm. nba whip around so i got to see it and again you know it's a team it's like the arizona dimebacks used to be they're teal and purple are their colors and i love that color combination for some reason it's like it shouldn't work but it does and it looks great. Uh, it was a great win for them uh, against at home against the New York Knicks. Yeah. Uh, but in watching that, I was reminded why I don't miss Kelly Oubre. <laughs> because like they're up by six points with under a minute to go. And they pass to Kelly Oubre. And there's 16 seconds left on the shot clock. He's he throws up a three oh. and, he, and he and just misses it completely, you know? And it's, well, so he you made let seven the, the night before or the game before he, yeah, made seven. No, he scored he, 37 and had, yeah, seven he had a great so. night, but like, this is one of those, you know, it's situational. It's dumb shit with Kelly. Mm -hmm. It's like, dude, hold the ball. Like let's take a final shot and at least bleed the clock a little bit. And I was like, Oh, I don't miss that stuff. Yeah. You know, even but, though he, he hit a lot of, he, I think he hit three buzzer beaters for the Suns to win games though. So I don't know. I just, yes, he I, did. Don't get me wrong. I love, yeah. I, I love Kelly Oubre, but there's things mm -hmm. I definitely don't miss about him is what I'm those, saying. Yep. Selfish. Yep. But I do love those city edition jerseys. There's a lot of mm -hmm. different ones that you're starting to see around the NBA. I think the Lakers are wearing their new ones. Uh, you're seeing in the, the chat, you know, the Rockets retro Jersey was nice. Uh, the Heat City Edition are also cool. Heat are always good. Yeah, oh Heat are always good. I don't gosh. know if I really like theirs though. They kind of have they they look like a ransom note. Like they take it does. That's why I love it, man. Okay, yeah, which is cool. You know, if you like ransom notes, <laughs> that's your, then then you love that stuff. So, but again, I just I well, another fun thing about this season is you're going to see more of these kind of cool jerseys. Uh, San Antonio City Edition is looking good too, is what Hayda Zero says as well. So, how do we you know, not get one? That makes me so mad. Well, we stuck with the Valley thing, dude. And there's so much opportunity. This this team has such a great uh, history of of fantastic jerseys, and we could have done something cool. We could have had these Valley jerseys back next year. Would have been no big deal. Mm -hmm. Shit, you can't buy them fucking anywhere, anyways. So, anyways, True. Yeah. just my thoughts. Our thoughts. 
on the Sun's Jam Session podcast. Uh, anything else you want to talk about? Dude, an hour went by fast tonight, man. Maybe it's the wine. It always but... does. No, no, I think it's the fast. wine. Yeah, yeah. How many glasses did you have tonight, John? Oh, just the one. I'm still working just on Just the one? It. Just, just okay. the one, you know? Just All right. Relaxing. Well, relaxing enjoy the rest finally. of the night then, man. I think yeah, I, I don't. Will. I don't think I have too much more to go over. I mean, we went over a lot. We we reached from to the Hornets to the suns to uh you know bedroom stuff all that stuff (laughs) yeah we we made yeah we we made all the laps all the lap terrible take a lap we we're gonna take a lap now so this is a reminder to all the jamsters who are watching along live hit that thumbs up button while you're here algorithms below it helps it lets everybody know where they need to go whenever the phoenix suns games end this is where you come and join us you hang out you hear us talk some shit you, you talk to each other. We all have a good time. This is a fun Suns community, so we appreciate that. If you're listening, please subscribe, rate, and review. Give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and we'll read it right here on the pod. We haven't had a new one in a while, so help us out. Same thing, algorithms and such. People put in Suns. We want them to see Suns Jam Session, so they come to hang out with us. Again, we'll be live after that Rockets game on Sunday. Uh, reminder, you can follow me on Twitter at Darth Voida. You can follow Matthew on Twitter. At Matthew Lissy. And you can follow the show at Suns Jam. Until Sunday, everybody have a fantastic weekend. I'm going to be hanging Christmas lights tomorrow. Yeehaw. You better be. <laughs> Everyone go home and love your family. Take care, everybody. <laughs>